Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast, where we talk with thought leaders throughout the advisory industry. We seek to invite guests that will provide unique insights and actionable ideas for advisors that want to fine-tune or grow their businesses while deepening client relationships. David, during times of uncertainty, you know, I feel like it's always good to have a network of people to talk to, people you can bounce ideas off of to get an outsider's view or an opinion, which can be helpful as you're strategizing what to do next. Well, Laura, based on your personality, I know that is right up your alley to get us a lot of great guests, including today's, and appreciate uh, the amount of experts you've been able to bring to the podcast. It's awesome. Well, I'm really excited about today's expert, who is Sean Kapitinsky. He is Director of Technology and Operations at Sequoia Financial Group an independent financial management firm in Akron, Ohio, with more than $3 billion in assets under management. Sean is also the founder of Hyphen, a private independent study group for RIA operations professionals. Hyphen has quietly built an operations community for more than 240 advisor firms which range from sole practitioners to multi-billion dollar RIAs. Sean is also an author and co-wrote the book, The Financial Advisor M&A Guidebook, Best Practices, Tools, and Resources for Technology Integration and Beyond. I'm thrilled that Sean agreed to join us today to talk about the study group, why he started it, how it has evolved, and to also offer ideas for others who may be looking for their tribes in this business. Sean, welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. Thank you, Laura and David. Nice to be with you today. It's great to have you. Okay, Sean, so let's get to this. What does H-I-F-O-N hyphen stand for? Hyphen stands for a high-impact financial operations network. Got it. So now that we know what it is, and actually, is it pronounced hyphen? That's correct. Okay. So tell us why you started the group. Sure. Well, in my firm years ago, I felt a bit alone in the operational side. Uh, certainly many firms struggle maybe with having uh, many hats to wear. And uh, in the operations world, I certainly uh, wanted to connect with others who had a role similar to my own. So conferences were certainly a way to provide some of the connection, but it was fairly infrequent and definitely hard to find the ops folks among uh, most advisors who would attend those events. So this group allows us to connect regularly on lots of topics that have interest to us. We can collaborate with each other and certainly help each other with the issues and the challenges that we all face day to day. So in the introduction, Laura mentioned that you had more than 240 member firms in the study group of varying sizes. So I have a couple of questions. Tell us a little bit about the makeup of your individual members, and is it limited to operations people, or are advisors and other financial professionals at the firms also welcome? 
Well, one thing we're clear on is that we're a users group. So the criteria to join is that you're employed by an RIA. And if you have a strong interest in the operations at your firm, that's really the criteria. We don't have those that are, are maybe employed by a custodian or a vendor to the industry, consultants. You know, those folks certainly get involved uh, with our webinars and some of the other things we offer, but it's primarily this user group of the professionals and operations roles. Because it's a firm membership, uh, it's not just one person, although one person might be the primary contact, they can invite others into our calls and also to participate in our discussion board. Sean, I'm, I'm really interested in learning how the group has evolved over time. Did you model it after something else you had seen? And as it's grown, and it's grown very large, what types of changes did you need to implement? Well, I didn't really have a model to go off of. I originally wanted to join uh, an advisor study group, or let's say an industry study group. Um, and many advisors had those types of groups. I had heard of advisors in our firm being a part of those types of groups. But when I was looking for uh, something that was specific to operations, I couldn't find it. It didn't seem to exist. So that's why I created the group. I've looked at other groups, other professional organizations in the industry, maybe for advisors or even for compliance professionals. Those gave me an idea of maybe how to organize the group or what else I might eventually put on a website. Uh, at first, I didn't have one, so it was very much just kind of the ideas of, of what I might do. But I've always tried to focus on what the members want uh, from a group like ours. And really, it's a, a, a connection, a place where they can ask questions, a place where they can share their issues and challenges and even voice concerns that they have. Our mission has really been to see the members succeed. So whatever their roles are, obviously different roles within the firm can have operational insight and involvement and responsibility. So we do what we can to move people towards success in whatever their role is in the firm. In terms of changes you had asked about, I'd say it's basically been the kind of evolution of what we've added over time based on what people have asked for. So out of the gate, it was just a monthly call that we were having this, this kind of virtual study group. After a couple of years, people had not always been able to make calls and somebody finally suggested we start our own discussion board. So that was kind of a next big maybe evolution, nothing revolutionary in terms of doing that, but it was a nice step forward and allowed other people to join. And um, we were able to kind of organize around both the, the monthly calls and then also kind of this ongoing discussion board. So some of the other things that we added over time included uh, shared folders where we share documents uh, and templates that people may have. Somebody might ask a question and want to uh, actually share a document or ask if somebody has a document that they can share. And so uh, I ended up uh, creating a way where we can just share documents easily with one another. So all our members get access to that historical archive and we continue to share documents as time goes on. Uh, a few other things that we've added, uh, some educational content, some conference discounts, uh, membership data. So uh, kind of knowing some of the demographics as well as the systems that our firms use. And even a jobs board became something of interest. So those are a few of the things that we've added uh, as the years have gone by. Well, I know I'm not an advisor, but I work with advisors very closely. And, and I've always been a little bit jealous that there's, at least that I have found, there's not a practice management study group. So I, I understand what you were looking for. And boy, you know, have you grown that? And um, I really appreciated, I 
you asked me to join a, a webinar a while back that, you know, while you're looking for key operations people in this group, you expose them to a lot of different topics, which I assume is probably pretty helpful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd say that that, that was one thing that I realized myself is that um, not having maybe access to a ton of educational content in this particular area. You know, most of us learn from uh, uh, just experience, right? Time on the job. And what I was realizing over the years of my own career, as well as what I was hearing from others that might have been new to the industry or those that were building teams with younger professionals, you know, they were asking, how can I educate my, my ops team faster or quicker? And so that's kind of been in the a bit of the back of my mind as it relates to how this group operates is not just that we share experience with each other, but um, that's where you, Laura, and, and others in the industry come in, is that we can hold these educational webinars to help kind of further the, uh, the educational aspect of the operation side of this, this profession. So I'm sure that there's some people listening today thinking, like I am right now, should I start a group? And I'm, I'm just wondering, for for your members, what can they expect from Hyphen when they join? And if you don't mind, would you share with us information about the membership fee structure and the rules you have around the membership? Yep, that's no problem. So the first thing I'd say for somebody to expect is a phone call from me. I like to kind of keep that personal connection from the early days when there was just a handful of folks uh, over the years, I, I always make it a point to reach out to somebody, obviously initially via email and just ask them they, they had a few minutes. I'd love to hear about their role, their firm, and just get a better understanding of why they joined the group, you know, how they heard about it. Um, maybe they met another member who shared it with them, or maybe they heard about it on something like this podcast. You know, certainly somebody's curiosity might meet them to our website or might have them reach out and uh, email me. So whatever that connection is, I do like to have, even though it's a virtual group, uh, I like that. Kind of personal touch of being able to talk with someone and basically let them know, hey, you've got a, a friend, you've got a resource out here and uh, welcome them to the group that way. So um, we go over the basically all that's offered in our different tiers of membership. So we have a, a basic tier, which is primarily for those that just want to uh, have access to our discussion board. There's a core tier where we've got uh, about 75% of the group. And then there's a plus membership, which is for larger firms. And that's about a quarter of the group. So we try to answer any questions they have right out of the gate. Most people, you know, poked around, took a look at things, but they might not catch everything. So um, I run through some of the benefits and really just make sure they understand it. But it's that call can be a five minute, you know, real quick. They just, they're in good shape. They're excited to go and they've read everything on the site. Others, it can be 20, 25 minutes of kind of hearing people's backgrounds. And sometimes they ask, jump in and start asking me questions. So the last thing I usually do is just kind of share expectations for involvement. So it's very much a give and take type of group where obviously if everyone showed up and just wanted to listen and didn't want to answer anything, um, it would be quite the quiet group, right? We can't all do that. So I definitely don't claim to be the expert on everything operational within RAs. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm the initial student, right, that was asking to learn from others. So uh, very much it has become this you know, shared experience that everyone helps each other. And so I do believe that every time somebody joins, you know, the group gets better. And as we continue to grow and you know, see more and more people have interest in this, uh, I'm, I'm excited for you know, the future because I feel like with each new member, we're, we're growing our, really what we can provide to every, every new member that joins. 
I love the fact that you share expectations, that it, that it's not necessarily okay to, to join and be silent. Right. Uh, and wondering, have some people left because they didn't feel like they wanted to share, or is everybody pretty much on board and excited to engage and, and share best practices? So I'd say the, the majority of people that even join, right, just to get to this point, there's got to be some... I think some level of interest uh, in sharing what you know. So certainly there are, are some folks that are you know quieter, more more listeners. Uh, that might be kind of the general personality, uh, a little more introverted, maybe just naturally, but not necessarily. So there there are folks that uh, you know might talk more on some of the calls than others, but we've we've actually always uh, called on everybody in those calls. So if it's a, a roundtable type experience that we're trying to mimic, you can imagine as a moderator, whether it's myself or somebody else. That, that moderates these calls, we actually tell everybody up front, you know, we're, we're going to ask you each question. So each person kind of introduces not just who they are, but what they want to talk about that day. And, uh, and then we kind of go around the room and ask everybody. So that way you get five, six, seven different experiences based on whoever's on the call. I'd say the people that end up uh, maybe backing out after a period of time, maybe just found they, they didn't make time for it at all. So I don't think, I, I always ask when somebody leaves, you know, thank them for their time with us. And if there's anything we can do to improve, I'd love to hear from them. And I'd say the most common response I get is, hey, the group is great. Really appreciate what's been done. Um, I just didn't have time to make for it. And I get that. We all have plenty of things in our lives and stuff has to give at times. So the fact that somebody might make that decision is, is quite all right with me. So obviously, Sean, you are really passionate about hyphen. And I know from previous conversations that you have invested and continue to invest a great deal of time and energy into growing the group. I'm curious if, uh, you know, I'd love it if you could share with us what you've gotten out of it personally, uh, but also professionally and what keeps you going. Well, here at Sequoia, one of our firm's core values is passion. And I feel strongly that as I've grown within our firm, I've been able to enhance my career as well as things that we've done at our firm by living out this passion for the operations side of the business. So as a firm, purpose is to enhance lives. And so by adding hyphen to my extracurricular activities, you know, I know that I've been able to enhance lives based on the feedback that I'm getting from folks who are in this group. So for me, that has led to me believing this is actually part of my purpose in life. It's not my only purpose. It's not the purpose. It's definitely not the number one purpose. But, you know, I didn't know 10 years ago that my little study group of five, six people would turn into what it is today. But you know, when time goes on, you begin to kind of see things blossom into something you never expected. So I didn't feel very entrepreneurial 10 years ago when I started the group. But as time went on and I kind of went that direction, it was very neat to see this become what I'd call maybe part of my professional purpose and uh, ultimately a way that I've been able to live out a passion and also enhance lives of, of people that have been part of the group. So I'm, I'm really thankful for it. To me, this is one of those things that I feel like it's a, it's a gift from God. He's, he's given me this opportunity to use the skills that I have and organize something that not everybody likes to go out and do. So that's one thing I guess I've learned. As I said, I was one of the original student and uh, definitely learned lessons over these 10 years. And one of them is that whether you're an operational person or anybody else, you know, most of us want the easy button for, for maybe extra things or new things. And so uh, I've done my best to make this a, a pretty 
easy button to press for some folks. You know, we, we like to just show up and have the right people in the room. It kind of feels like we're throwing a, a nice fun party every month when we're having those conversations and to be able to show up and know that people are going to understand the conversation. They're going to be able to uh, relate to what you're going through. You know, that's, that's what was missing. That's the piece that I didn't see before. And uh, to be able to take that step, which maybe at the time I didn't realize the direction I was taking was, was so maybe new. I didn't realize that, but over time it's kind of played out to me to be something that just, again, didn't exist. And who knew that creating it would, uh, would turn into what it is today. So it's, it's kind of, my, those are my thoughts, I guess, on what it's, it's done for me. So, Sean, I'm curious to know how this group came together during the start of COVID and throughout 2020. Were you able to help one another as most firms quickly transition to a virtual business model? Yeah, what's been interesting uh, is that we've been a virtual study group the whole time. So I'd say, yes, we've been able to help each other out. We're um, essentially, the, the, I'll say the conversation continued, um, but maybe it changed a little bit, right? People started asking what I'd call a, a new question, which was, What's your plan for everyone working at home? You know, people were curious on the calls. Obviously, you, you have more time to kind of get into the, the conversation, whereas the discussion board were a little bit more pointed, the, the shorter uh, question and, and answer aspect. So questions coming out you know, after a month or two became, um, you know, what are you doing different? And did anybody have to change anything? You know, what, what benefits are you seeing from this? How are you dealing with the challenges? We certainly, anytime you have a call, probably like anybody else, you know, we were asking who's home, who's back in the office. Big question was what does coming back to the office look like? What are the conditions for being in the office? Um, what's your office setup? You know, are your clients comfortable? And certainly depending on where people were at in the country, played a big part or continues to play a big part in what some of those answers are. But I do think that just the virtual aspect of our group, you know, I always thought that, well, I guess I'll say I knew that for how many firms might have worked with a, a custodian or, or would be able to go to a tech conference, conferences are, are great and I enjoy them. But I also know whether it's the schedule or just the person's role in the firm, not everyone gets to go to an event. And certainly this year, right, that's, that's more true than ever. So kind of like I started answering this question, not a ton changed for us in the regard that um, the same access that people had throughout the year to a group like Hyphen and to our regular calls and to our discussion board, you know, that sometimes that was the interaction that people were looking for at different events in person. And I can imagine if somebody was used to going to an event and, you know, I can't wait to be here again and you know, see somebody or talk to people I'm used to talking to. If that event has been any time from you know, mid-March until now, you probably didn't go, you didn't have those conversations. And it's pretty rare. Conferences are great to get people together. You know, it's the right setting. It's kind of all those things I said about what, I felt hyphen does for, for our members. And so in that regard, it's been really fascinating to kind of see some attention, some interest in maybe more questions or things that people weren't getting because they weren't going to conferences. They just kind of shifted those conversations to, to our group. So I know you have a limited perspective with this group, and I, I but I also know that you've written a book about the financial advisor MA guidebook. And I'm wondering what you've seen during COVID, how it has impacted just the trends in advisory M&A. You're right. Uh, I would say that I have a, a limited perspective. I mean, our firm has thankfully been able to do a handful of, uh, of M&A deals. And my angle, certainly uh, with the book, writing that with Greg Friedman was uh, an opportunity that you know, we both kind of took to write about the technology integration 
around you know, M&A deals. That, that's definitely the focus that I have in my role with our firm today. So you know, maybe over the past six, eight months, uh, I'll just say what I've heard and, and maybe the communications that I see and, and that, I, that I read about don't necessarily change what you know, firms are interested in doing. I think initially when the, the market had its, its uh, scare, let's say earlier in the year, that was probably a, a huge pause button for, for a lot of conversations, but you know, that, that seemed to have a, a fairly big impact as it relates to people maybe stopping or just completely pausing those conversations. Whereas in a few months, maybe the worry there from a little bit of perspective didn't necessarily go away. You know, I'd say again, from the, the limited conversations and things that I'm hearing is that you know, firms are still actively interested in continuing on with their succession plans. And if M&A is the way that one firm you know, would like to move and other firms are, are trying to grow that way, I still think there's there's plenty of those conversations going on. What probably is different is what they might look like as it relates to in-person meetings are probably just not as, as common anymore. And so you know, getting a feel for somebody's culture or getting a feel for somebody's uh, team, you know, the people, those are probably, uh, maybe there's more conversations happening than would originally because you can't physically go there and maybe immerse yourself the way that, that probably was done before. So definitely some some changes, some small impacts uh, at this time, but uh, I think time will tell when we start seeing some of the numbers of how many deals continue to be done. And uh, I'm, I'm probably as excited and curious as the next person for what that's going to look like when the year plays out. Oh, that's great. So what is the biggest challenge? Talk to your members of Hyphen regularly. What's the biggest challenge facing a merged advisory firm? Well, after this year, I think everybody maybe reacted and adjusted to things uh, this year in particular, based on what worked for, for their people. Our firm has, let's say, more experience with merging with firms of smaller size. And so I'd say maybe a challenge for us or, or anybody who's in that scenario is, you know, how, how did you change maybe your, your flexibility related to being at home and working at home and what that looked like even before the pandemic you know, might, might be a, a big challenge moving forward. Really hard, again, from my perspective to nail down or pinpoint one particular most challenging thing, but I guess because it's uh, you're asking me, and, and I'll say the technology always plays a big part. I'll say that that is an aspect. I mean, a really a big point we bring out in the book is just that this should be a part of the conversation. I do think when firms start to talk to each other, the more that technology aligns, the easier that some of the other conversations go. Certainly, people with different technology can can come together and, and make those changes, but uh, the technology being similar has maybe a, a smooth impact, you could say. Things are always different, even if you have the same systems. So again, from my perspective, it's, it's always interesting to kind of see how you can integrate technology, even when you're on the same systems. I guess I can say I can't imagine how much more challenging it would be uh, coming from you know, every system being completely different. So I'd probably point that out as just a, a big piece to consider is what that impact might be, no matter what systems you have. That's great. Well, I know this, our podcast is on study group and starting your own. So we try to end these podcasts with some actionable takeaways for listeners. I'd love it if you would provide some ideas for people out there, whether they're ops, advisors, or in other roles that would like to start their own study group. So besides buying your book, what are two or three things that they should do to get started? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll keep it simple. If you have an interest in, in a group like ours, I'd say probably my, my first thing would be 
I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'd, I'd love to you know, hear what your interest is and even what you're thinking. Um, so I, I guess I would offer that up to people. But if you want to, probably the first few things that I would think of to, to tell somebody in terms of advice, uh, I would say to reach out to people that you've met before, people with similar interests, um, people that you've had good conversations with, and really just ask them if they'd like to continue that conversation, if they'd like to exchange ideas, if they'd like to if you could help each other out and do that on a regular basis. Again, this year is a perfect example of when that kind of conference circuit dries up, especially if you're on the ops side, which I know not all ops people end up going to these events, to have those conversations is just, it seems like it has a multiplying effect. So again, just reaching out, like I said, when I started the group, it was reaching out to a handful of folks that I had met at these events and really just asking them if they were interested in regularly exchanging ideas like this. And the second thing I'd probably say is that it does take work, obviously. Uh, we'll reference that. You know, it's it's been years and, and some time and sweat and dollars to, to make something like this work. Uh, I do believe that anybody who's got the curiosity to pursue it can make it work, but I don't want to underplay, downplay, uh, or underestimate uh, that it does take some work. So to, to hand somebody an easy button, usually there's a lot of work behind that. So if, if you want to be handed the easy button, you're probably not the right one to start the group. But if you have that kind of desire and you want to put the time in to just really be the one that's going to organize it, you know, that's where my skill set played in pretty well is being able to handle the logistics of getting people together. And as we grew, splitting up groups and then finding people to, to moderate those calls, you know, it certainly takes some work behind the scenes. So connecting with folks and then being able to put in some work behind it is, is what it took for me to get this group off the ground. So that's probably what I would recommend to somebody else if they wanted to start their own group. Well, that's great. Well, Sean, thanks again for joining us today and for an enlightening conversation. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. If you'd like to know more about the High Impact Financial Operations Network, just go to hyphen.org. That's H-I-F-O-N dot O-R-G. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of the Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to the Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, Carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. 
please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.